0: blog talk radio hi there i'm mary eileen williams at feisty side of 50 radio and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older and speaking of embracing life one of the best gifts of age is the growing urge many of us feel to focus on the spiritual aspects of our lives and on that note i'm excited to introduce our guest today joe drape joe is an award-winning sports writer for the new york times but he's also the author of seven books and his latest one is entitled the saint makers inside the catholic church and how a war hero inspired a journey of faith believe me this is a fascinating look into a world that for centuries has been mostly hidden behind vatican doors but thankfully joe is joining us today to share all about it i'm so happy to have you on the show welcome joe
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'd like to start off by congratulating you, not only on your prolific career. I mean, here you are a New York Times (laughs) sports writer, but you've written a number of books. But this latest book has to have been a very special process for you uh, about awarding sainthood. And before we begin, I have to ask you, how did you even come upon this story? Because, you know, it's something we don't usually think about every day.
1: Well, Mary, Eileen, I think there's some divine providence involved here. You know, 2008, 12 years ago, I moved my family to Kansas to write a book about an undefeated high school football team that had two rules, love one another and get better every day. And what I discovered, and it was a small town in rural Kansas, and As I was down there working and becoming friends with people, I heard about this remarkable priest and war hero named Father Emil Capon. And Father Capon was from that region. He was a son of a farmer, an ordinary guy. Uh, He found his calling as a chaplain in the military. In fact, he's the most decorated chaplain in military history. Served in World War II, uh, earned a bronze star went back to Korea where he ultimately died in a prison camp at the age of 35. But the the spiritual uh, uplift and just the heroic daring do that he showed on the battlefield, saving thousands of soldiers, earned him the Medal of Honor from uh, President Obama in 2013. And there was this movement to for him to become a saint. I am parochial and Jesuit educated. I had no clue what, how you became a saint or what, what they really meant to it. So set, flash forward seven, year, seven years later, an editor, all my other books had been about sports related. And they, he said, you got something in your mind that uh, outside of the sports. And Father Capon just came out of my mouth right then. And, you know, I hadn't really thought that much about him. And so that set me off on this journey. And when I say the divine providence is I ended up learning as much about myself and where my faith needed work and was strong and, you know, set me off to be better at getting an authentic dialogue, spiritual dialogue with my higher power.
0: Oh, my gosh, Joe. I mean, talk about a labor of love or a a leap of faith or all of that all combined. What an amazing, as you use the term journey, and I can see. So how did you even go about doing research for something like this? Because, as I said, this is something that has been, you know, the whole process of conferring sainthood hasn't been one that's necessarily got open doors and transparency (laughs) involved in it. How did Uh, you even begin?
1: Uh, you know, as a journalist, we go wide. You go vacuum up as much information as you can. On Father Capon, I was very fortunate. There was a priest in Kansas named Father John Hutz, whose job was to gather every known fact about the priest and his service and his life, zero to, to the time of death. And he did it so well that there was he amassed eight thousand six hundred twenty-seven pages of testimony, witness writings that eventually made its way to the Vatican and then I went to Rome and I did what reporters do, you ask questions and you ask dumb questions but somebody has to explain it to you and you know I learned a great deal about the process, it's ancient, it's Byzantine, Uh, the time elapsed to average from a candidate's death to his canonization is 181 years um oh half half the saints are Italians, so they definitely got a home field advantage uh there's only <laughs> seven of um, there's only seven American saints, Mary Eileen, and only two were actually born on our soil. so you know i just went through the process with people. A lot of people spent a lot of time. I learned you know about miracles. It requires two miracles. Uh, Candidate to be canonized Uh, I learned what a miracle Was in the eyes of the Catholic Church And that is a a Remarkable Recovery from death or near death With no medical scientific uh, Explanation But the second part is the most important Is that recovery took place Because The friends, the family, the community prayed to the candidate, in this case, Father Emil Capon, asking him to intercede. And he asked God to intercede on the loved one's behalf. So, and, you know, I I learned how saint makers have kind of evolved into, uh, saints have evolved into Catholics superheroes. They are there for us to imitate and aspire to. But they also have to be relatable. We have to, we have to see a little bit of ourselves in them.
0: Well, getting back to Father Kapan, you'd mentioned, of course, that he had, you know, saved actually, I think he said thousands of lives on the battlefield and uh, had, you know, lived obviously a very holy, um, you know, appropriate life. But tell us about the miracles that, were la- that got him into this process or his name into this process.
1: There are two young people in Kansas, both athletes. One is Chase who who is a college pole vaulter who missed the pit one day, cracked his skull literally in half, uh, taken unconscious to the hospital where he laid on a respirator for weeks. Uh, his very strong Catholic family, very strong parish. They filled up the waiting room of the lobby of the hospital, they put up a Facebook page, and they prayed to Father Capone, and out of nowhere, he woke up, and ended up having a very short rehabilitation, and is now 33, working in aviation, and is getting married this Spring, so that was the first, and the second was even more moving, or as moving, is 12-year-old Avery Girlman was a you soccer player collapsed on the soccer field one day. Uh, what took her to the hospital where she stayed 87 days on a ventilator with kidney machines, organs had failed. Nobody knew anything. What, what exactly was wrong with her? And they ran gazillions of tests pretty much had given up and decided to take her off everything thinking that would be the end. And Immediately she breathed on her own, she opened her eyes, she recognized her parents, soon she was talking, she had one follow-up visit, and ah. that was it. And what happened with her, Mary Eileen, is she uh, was so touched by the experience, she became a nurse and went back to that same pediatric ward in the hospital and worked along some, some of the nurses that helped her.
0: Oh, my gosh, Joe, you're going to have me in tears in the middle of this. Oh, how wonderful. Well, these stories had to have touched you quite profoundly, too. And again, we don't have a whole lot of time left, and I know this is personal, but you alluded to the fact that this, you know, this opened your eyes to some things that you hadn't realized. Do you? Can you share one or two of those with us now?
1: Oh, yeah, Mary Eileen. Basically, I had forgotten how to pray. And again, I grew up. Very, you uh, know, could say the words, but I wasn't quite connecting. And this was told to me, or my epiphany came when a Jesuit priest asked me if I prayed. And they said, yes. And I said, what do I pray for? And I said, I don't really, what, gratitude? I don't, anything specific. And he said, you know, you've got a teenage son. If he's troubled by something, wouldn't you want him to come to you and ask for your help? And I was like, yes. And he said, well, that's what God does. And then he asked me a question I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to recount He said, have you ever thought of Praying to Father Kapan? And it had never dawned on me I was living with this guy in my head for Eight years, and I was trying to sit down And write this, and the most Obvious solution was Right in front of me, and I couldn't see it So, you know What I basically Take from the whole exercise And I, I mentioned to you that when I was actually physically writing the book it was the early days of the pandemic here in New York city, when a thousand people were dying a day and sirens were everybody, and, you know, everybody was just terrified, but I was able to get some solace and some comfort spending a part of my day with father Capon, you know, telling his story, working on his story. And, you know, when I'm all said and done, I can't say I'm saved or I'm a better person, but I am, More present and more aware of the effort it takes to try to be good, to be a good father, a good husband, a good neighbor, a good friend. And if you know, most days I fail. But but at the same time, if all of us, if I try to do it, I make my world a little place, better place. And I think there's a ripple effect.
0: Well, Joe, I have to say what a moving experience it is for me to be one of those ripples <laughs> that you have <laughs> affected, because what an incredible book. Uh, I I know this is something that's going to change my life. What What do you hope, as the author of this book, that your readers will get out of it?
1: Well, I didn't intend it to come out in this atmosphere where illness is around us and division is around us, but again, divine providence Put it out there in a reason. I hope people can pick it up and say, okay, here's a guy who endured terrible illness, brutality in a world that was very divided. And he did it with grace and dignity. And he saw the goodness in others in times when it was hard. And he maintained his goodness as he did it. So, you know, if it's just a little bit of comfort, a little bit of an example, and readers can take that away, that'd be great.
0: Well, and as I would like to say, too, uh, as with many others, I'm going to be apart from my grandchildren for the holidays. And, you know, a lot of us are kind of feeling the the pinch, uh, the spiritual pinch. (laughs) And pick up a copy of this book because it will change your life. And, Joe, you have inspired me. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your time, and your journey with my audience and me.
1: Thank you for having me. And Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays.
0: Well, thank you. Same to you and your family. And, uh, again, I urge all of you listeners out there, especially during this season where a lot of us are feeling maybe a little alone, a little down, a little in need of some inspiration, check out Joe's book, The Saint Makers. It will change your life. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye